Hi everyone, welcome to the Lawcast. My name is Melanie Thorley and I'm the director here. Now, I know I promised some um, HR stuff, but there's been so much going on uh, in the world of crazy employment law cases. I just wanted to go over some of them. It's going to be a fairly short session today. We're going to have some fun with it. Uh, the first one is something that comes up actually all the time for me. Um, as you know, employees and employers can sometimes be in a fair amount of conflict. There's, um, you know, there's lots of stuff going on. There's lots of untrust happening. And uh, it's, it's all fairly highly, um, you know, all this charged energy, everyone's thinking everyone's out to get them and it can be really, really grim environment. So what can happen is people can record. They might record with their phone in their pocket. They might just have their phone sitting there but secretly on record. Employers are doing it. Employees are doing it. It's completely rife in the industry. Now, what to do with these recordings? Now, I am not going to provide any advice on whether or not it is lawful or not to record. But let's say you do. What, what's going on there? Well, the interesting thing about recording in the workplace is it can damage the employment relationship if you record. If you're an employee and you're recording without your employer's consent, it can irrevocably damage the relationship. And there are quite a few cases out there that state that if you if an employer catches an employee uh, secretly recording then that can be significant grounds for instant dismissal now without you know diving into all the issues of unfair dismissal or general protections or you know what's happening there i guess what you should be thinking if you're an employer is whether or not you wish for that meeting to be recorded. And either you should be recording it and do, saying it openly that you're recording and providing your employee with the opportunity or not to record. Uh, but yes, recordings are, um, are happening. And as an employer, you might want to control that. As an employee, just be really careful setting aside the lawfulness of recording whether or not whether it is or whether it isn't and that changes depending on state you're in here in Australia uh, COVID recording that is uh, just really think about what might happen next with your employment if you are snapped with it let's say you do let's say there is a recording out there it is done covertly and now we're in court and the court has has a chance to listen to it. Will the court listen to a covert recording? Well, a new case says yes, they will. And in fact, the case says that as long as we understand the providence of that recording and, it, and, and that is legitimate, then there's no reason for the court not to consider it. Fascinating, absolutely fascinating. So I don't know what's gonna happen next with that everyone, but, uh, look, I think recording's really, really rife with all sorts of emotional charge. So 
I'm not saying do, I'm not saying don't, I'm just saying really stop and think about it first. But if it ends up in court, yeah, totally can be snapped and uh, it can be used. So yeah, I, th I, think, um, I think we all need to think about that. The next thing I want to talk about, and I've talked about this before, and this is these zombie agreements. Zombie agreements are agreements that sort of predate the Fair Work Act. They've got some mad clauses in them. They've got some very low employment um, uh, situations and terms and conditions um, that sit well below the, what we call the national employment standards here in Australia. Um, and they're old, which is why they're called zombie agreements, and they're alive which is also why they're called zombie agreements. So these old alive agreements which don't align with our uh, fair work regime that we have here in Australia now still apply. So the government at, um, you know, when they, when they did all their changes last year, they, they announced that they were going to put a sunset date on those zombie agreements and that's going to be early December, like 6th of December or something like that. So that means that any zombie agreement that is in force today will no longer be in force then. It's going to die. The zombie gets his head chopped off, he gets burnt, that's it, it's gone. But is it? <laughs> this mad situation has, has got these, there are two court cases and the first one is, is about zombie agreements and they're both about extending the zombie agreement and the first one there's an application by two senior employees asking to extend the zombie agreement uh, by up to another four years and can they do that and the full bench said no no these zombies need to die um, they found no evidence that the employer would alter the employer's conditions of employment to their detriment it would be reasonably simple for those conditions to be in the old zombie agreement to be reproduced in a contract of employment and the employer's been senior and not lacking, lacking bargaining power and so uh, the current zombie agreement didn't reflect the employee's circumstances and was substantially obsolete. Of course it is, it's more than 13 years old, it's probably older. Uh, and the application simply sought to maximise the period of extension so they were dismissed. Seems fair, right? Doesn't change anything about their employment. The employer wasn't going to alter their contract, their, their conditions at all. They were going to reduce into contract a contract. There's this stuff in the enterprise agreement that was about to die. That all seems pretty simple, and seems like a good idea. But in the other case, they wanted a 12-month extension of the zombie agreement to allow for new bargaining. They said yes to that. So, I mean, I haven't read both cases and I don't know all the backgrounds, but it is kind of weird that you've got in one circumstance a situation saying, well, no, you don't, you can't, you can't extend it. it you can reduce the stuff into writing, you can stuff it into a contract, you can agree to the stuff, but no extension. And on this one, it's, yeah, let's extend. I mean, slightly different situations. We've got a zombie agreement wanting to be extended by 12 months versus four years. It's to allow for new bargaining versus we just want the old agreement to put in place. But honestly, guys, we've, we've had this. We've known that we're going to have these zombie agreements um, by the time they die for more than a year. 
I say, get a wiggle on. Anyway, now for the mad cases. Now, those of you who are regular listeners will constantly will hear me say from time to time that why are people filing unfair dismissals when they're doing such crazy stuff? We've got a couple of um, cases here, both of which have completely different outcomes and one of them is still being decided and it's all a little bit funny, but we've got these two cases. One of them is with a train driver and the union is, is, uh, had, took it to an unfair dismissal and then it went to appeal uh, and then that appeal went, that decision went to appeal and now it's going to be heard again. So the answer hasn't happened yet. But this, tra but this train driver was, had a massive bender the night before work. Massive bender. Apparently an aunt died, they were doing a wake, and it was a massive bender. He drove home. He was snapped for high-range drinking uh, and then turned up to work the next morning to go to work. Didn't tell his boss that they had lost his license, but said it three days later. Now, a more suspicious person would say that the reason why he didn't say that he had um, he'd been drinking and got snapped for high-range drinking the night before is because there is a possibility he could have presented over the limit in the morning and he would have probably almost certainly been tested for alcohol. So he kind of got out of that one. A more cynical person would say that. I mean, it's... There's no evidence in the, in the case law or in the cases that show that he was drunk when driving that train the next morning. But needless to say, Sydney Trains was pretty upset with this. They, they argued that he should have told them he has been to the night before, would have, has, um, you know, if he had presented with uh, a drink being had an alcohol rating the next day and you know it would have been really damaging to the train um, company's reputation if that guy had driven a train while drunk and he got terminated well the union said no what okay the union has money and they can do that but really we've got a situation where this person is driving trains <laughs> And not admitting that he got a high-range drinking, drink driving. I mean, I guess a more cynical person might say, how often did he do this and didn't get snapped and turned up to work the next morning with, uh, without saying anything and didn't get tested? I don't know. I just kind of feel like my train drivers should be sober when they're <laughs> driving trains. I honestly feel that way. And I can see the Sydney train um, companies position on this point um, and I'm always amazed that there are people out there who go hell no this is unfair I should get my job back because what what anyway so in the first instance the I think it was Deputy President Cross maybe not maybe in the first instance it wasn't Deputy President Cross but anyway in the first incident the Fair Work Commission said yeah totally unfair not related to work uh, 
you didn't know he was whether he was drunk or not, so you know, unfair dismissal. And which I think is a crazy situation. But again, I haven't read the whole thing. There's a lot of cases here. There's three cases. Uh, and the train company took it to appeal. Go figure. They took it to appeal and the appeal said, yeah, he totally should have been terminated. We're overturning them. He's gone. And then the union took it to appeal and the appeal commission, the appeal of this one said, yeah, okay, there was a mistake made by the appeal commission and we're going to we're going to have it considered again. I guess on this one maybe the train driver was right in filing an unfair dismissal maybe it is a bit edgy but from my perspective I don't want my train drivers drunk. I don't want my truck drivers drinking. I don't want my truck drivers or train drivers on drugs. I want sobriety people and if there's a hint of that I want the train drivers to come down heavy on these people the train companies to come down heavy on these people I don't want them to feel afraid to file uh, to give them show cause notices I don't want that I want them to be freely able to challenge these these train and truck drivers um, so it kind of worries me anyway so that's that one and the other mad case which is completely insane as well. And this one is a, is, is, he, uh, this is a Virgin Australia sort of behind the scenes at the airport, um, you know, baggage kind of moving around handler type guy. So he's not in the planes, he's out of the planes, he's zooming around. And he is hands down, he's, he's got himself in some trouble here. So this chap, uh, Rimawi, he started making massive, he was fine for a while, for a couple, first couple of years, first few years of his employment, not a peep. And then all of a sudden something happened and he started complaining. He started complaining like crazy. He started complaining about all sorts of people doing all sorts of things. And every time it was investigated, it was found that either there was a mistake or it was misunderstood or was blown out of control things like there were there were a couple of ones that I read where everyone's wearing earmuffs and they do hand signals they shout and they I can't remember the third one but that's how they all communicate they communicate by hand signals they communicate by shouting um, and you know there's a few ways so this one he was somewhere and it was really noisy. They had the headphones on the whole time and this guy, his, his supervisor, apparently yelled at him to do something. Yeah, because that's... Uh, Rimawi said he shouldn't have yelled, he should have used hand signals. I found the yelling to be, you know, really offensive. And this poor supervisor was like, I don't even remember the incident. I'm really sorry. We're yelling all the time. I'm sorry. I can't remember it. Anyway, it was it was uh, it was it was put down to um, a misunderstanding. There was another one where Remy was com complained that someone had thrown a tea bag on his little on the bottom of his little carty thing. And when questioned, the guy went, "Oh yeah, look, oh, I was drinking my tea and." The tea bag had popped open. There were tea leaves everywhere, and I went, 
and some of it got onto the guy's bonnet and I look, I went, oh, look, sorry, mate. And, you know, and this guy, Remoe, had taken photos. There were no teabag in the photos. And um, it was concluded that he had a bit of an overreaction. He was sending Facebook messages to females who asked him to stop. He was making complaint after complaint after complaint about stuff that just didn't seem to be happening. And then he, I don't know if it was a piece of resistance, but this is fascinating. Now we hear sometimes of people saying that they're going to provide doctor certificates and they do. Um, and we hear sometimes that employers complain that these doctor certificates may not be genuine. And in this case, it's fascinating because somehow they got the doctor certificates from his doctor and doctor certificates presented by the employee and they're different. They're not like crazy different, they're just different. Like this one says that Remoe suffered, the, his, the doctor says that Remoe suffers from adjustment disorder with mix and anxiety, depression. He complains of multiple significant difficulties relating to recent incident of psychological trauma. Now, Remoe's doctor's certificate that he gave to the Virgin said, all that incident of psychological trauma at his workplace at Virgin Australia. Hmm, weird. The next one was, doctor said, this letters to confirm that Remaway is fit for pre-injury duties. We close his insurance case, his medical condition is stable. He submitted one that said, this letters to confirm that Remaway is fit for pre-injury duties, his medical condition is stable. Not, we closed his insurance case. Kind of weird. Um, then we've got another one. Remoe has a medical condition and will not be fit for work from date to date inclusive. This one is, dear Sir, Madam Virgin Australia, he's a medical condition, won't be fit for work for date to date inclusive. He has complications after surgery that was done overseas. Hmm. Apparently the, he went to the doctors and got a medical certificate that was never presented. And he's got a medical certificate that the medical practice doesn't have a record of. Remoe has a medical condition to be unfit for work from date to date, inclusive. His complications, which required lymphatic drainage procedure. Look, I think providing fake medical certificates or altered medical certificates and a fake medical certificate is grounds for termination enough. But there is a laundry list of stuff that this guy did, like laundry list of stuff. What surprises me, and again, going back to the original statements, is what was he doing filing an unfair dismissal? Hello? What point do employees look at that and go, yeah, fair cop, gov. Oh, took it for a ride, lasted a while. Why take this to hearing? It amazes me that, that the system is so broken that an employee that can be this destructive in the workplace is still allowed to progress a claim all the way through to a hearing. It amazes me, absolutely amazes me, because the, the employer has no choice but to take this through to a hearing. They don't get off the train. The applicant is in control of when the application is discontinued. Okay, for 
set aside all the applications you can make and say that there's no want for prosecution. That never happens. Um, and these poor employers, and in this one it's Virgin Australia and people will go, oh, it's Virgin Australia, they've got the money, and they might have the money. But what if it's a small business? What if it's a, what if it's a business with three employees? And it, the case amounts to 30% of their income that year. How long do you think that company's going to be around for? There is, um, there are some cases out there where, like in this one in particular, Remy was saying that he was he was going to resign, but decided to stay, to um, to mess with Virgin. And you just look at this and go, why is this guy allowed to file an unfair dismissal and progress it through the hearing? So, without ending on a doom note. Um, I'm just really fascinated by this because we've had this regime now for since 2009, so almost 24 years. We've, we know that the employees who file these things have no real outcomes. There's very few reinstatements. Um, the train driver wanted to be reinstated with back pay and continuity of employment. Um, and, you, and that's a union case and we can say that the unions overblow these things and whatever um, and they have their own agenda but again we're talking about organisations here who are, who are not just firing someone because they think it's funny um, I don't understand now, now that we've had it for so long why we still think that it's perfectly okay to have 12,000 applications a year why it's okay that we have these hearings and there's nutterbutters who are filing applications, pushing it all the way through and having no real chance of getting any success out of this. Um, now, I'm not suggesting that either of these cases, they were nutterbutters, but there are some crazy cases out there. There are some mad situations and the commission or the court has concluded that there's been no real um, case to be heard but anyway so in this one we've got zombie agreements we've got mad situations in relation to train drivers we've got someone who quite literally faked a doctor's certificate and we've got recordings which I think is fascinating so as long as the look I think there's going to be a lot more going on there but the case basically said, as long as you understand, as long as the court, we as a court can understand the providence, then there's no reason not to hear it. Fascinating. Fascinating when it comes to covert recordings. Anyway, thank you very much, everyone, for listening and watching again the podcast. Hopefully it wasn't too boring just looking at my face the whole time. Um, oh, new thing for me. I have, I know it's a bit weird, but I've decided to stop dyeing my hair. Why does anyone care? Actually, no one should care. Absolutely no one should care. But I've decided that I'm successful. I don't care. My ego doesn't care what other people's, whether other people see me as old or not. And quite frankly, I'm bloody sick of it. So over the next few months, you'll see, I assume because I am grey, a greyer and greyer Melanie. Um, I'm really fascinated to see this happen and uh, yeah, 
I'm tired of conforming to what my view of society thinks of me, which is crazy because society's not thinking of me at all. <laughs> so I'm just moving on from it, peoples. Um, so <laughs> it's more of a personal note. Anyway, everyone have a brilliant fortnight. I'll be back again in a couple of weeks. And look, this time, yes, I promise I will have something funny to say about HR. Thanks for watching.